Hello, this is Jackson. On this episode of the podcast, I talk to another individual that's quite famous, I will say, called Vincent Van Gogh, or Walter, the guy who plays him in Van Gogh Find Yourself that was at the Fringe Festival this past week. Let's be artful. Okay, I am here with Walter, and he is uh, the performer in a show called Van Gogh, Find Yourself, which, first of all, that's a really great title. (laughs) I absolutely love it, and uh, me and my sister were able to go uh, last weekend, and really, it it blew us away. I mean, it really was a phenomenal performance. Thank you. Um, And so, my first question is, you know, the show is a journey through the life of Vincent Van Gogh. Yes. And when did you decide, and why did you decide to create a show about that particular artist? Well, I talked about this show for like seven years before I ever did it. Uh, I have anxiety and depression, and you know, I've been in film sets in New York. I work on Saturday Night Live as an extra. I've been a part of all these kinds of things. wonderful artists working uh, but I wanted to tell a story myself I was always working for everybody else and helping sure. their vision be uh, come to fruition and it takes a, takes an army of people on a film set or even theater sets and rolling in and rolling out and all of this mass hysteria goes on and something's created yeah it really is uh, what do they call it uh, controlled chaos yeah so now with my one-man show, I stripped everything away. The first time I did it, uh, I had a different title, Van Gogh, F Yourself. Uh, basically, I'm not <laughs> going to say that on here. But uh, I got tired of people telling me he was crazy. So when I did make the date to do the show, I, w- I work at a bar called Ryan's Daughter in New York, and they have an upstairs, and it was the 35th year anniversary. This is four years ago. And he said, everybody gets a chance to do a theme th- something. Why don't you do your Van Gogh show that you keep talking about? And I said, okay. And uh, so now I had a deadline. So yeah. I had to write the show. And then I performed it. And I did 18 characters, 18, wow. 18 accents. It was like my own Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And there was 99 people standing room only. Uh, and it was out of the box. And I was bouncing around and having fun. And uh, it was a good storyline. Uh, and then I changed the. I did the New York City Fringe uh, with Van Gogh F Yourself as well in 2015. And then I wanted to change the title to do uh, museums and uh, kids shows and universities and high schools. So Van Gogh Find Yourself, which also evolved. Uh, when I first started the show, uh, I kind of felt like a liar because I wasn't drawing. Interesting. Okay. So I started to sketch my director, uh, Lawrence Lowry. Of uh, he directed me in VGFY uh, when I did the Fringe in New York, and so I would sketch him, and then uh, I sketched on stage. So I have the first sketch ever I did on stage. It's over at the Walsh Park Art Gallery. It's in the kitchen on the wall. Uh, it was a charcoal, and I used these techniques that he uh, wrote about. He he used black and white in the beginning, before he would uh, use color. Oh, okay. Uh, because he wanted to get the lines down and have a foundation for his work. Yeah. And so I used charcoal. And then it, was, it worked out great. Uh, and now 
I've evolved to give the audience art supplies and I give them a little lesson and in no judgment, don't judge your work because we're, we're the hardest critics of ourselves. Yeah, so, definitely. So that has evolved out of that too and I love that. Yeah, and I, I actually, that was part of the enjoyment of the experience was actually, you know, um, being able to sit down at the table and I remember you actually insisted that I sit down at the table. <laughs> yes, I did. Because I said, oh, I'm not an artist and you went, oh, no, nonsense. Sit yeah. down. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And so I ended up doing a landscape because, I mean, I, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't, I had no idea what to do. Um, and so, yeah, I mean. That but eventually it, you did a uh, portrait, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Oh, yeah. Um, and it was, you know, you forced uh, everybody to uh, pa- paint the person across from you. Yeah. Um, which I really liked. Um, and it was a good way to start the story. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to. Van Gogh, what drew you to him initially? Uh, it's his writings. Uh, basically, the, one of the first, uh, when I decided to become an actor, I hired this uh, professional coach. It was $300 an hour, and I'm like, I want to learn. And then, so we did some Meisner technique, and she gave me a book. She said, read the book, and in the front of the book, there's a poem, and it's Vincent talking about, uh, yes, I could follow the path that everybody else goes on, but there's no flowers growing on that path. And yeah. to be brave and have your own voice you have to find your own path. Okay. And it's a rougher path because you don't see some of the stuff coming down. <laughs> you know, there's overgrowth and you might fall. Yeah. But there's flowers. <laughs> and so going into actually writing the show and finally performing it for the first time, what type of preparation and research did you have to do? Because you really get immersed in that character when you're performing. Yeah, the, it's all from the letters. Uh, well, there's uh, uh, probably... Four or three possible uh, pieces that I pulled from. One was uh, Adeline Ravu. She was 13 years old when he died at the hotel. Her father ran the hotel. So she wrote a memoir after he died. All these books start coming out. And she's like, this is not really uh, the guy that I knew. He was always kind and he never smoked in front of the kids. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, never cursed. And he was always there. He was always painting every day. So, And uh, what she said was the... She said, Vincent's death had such a profound impact on our family. Her father would tell the stories for the next 20 years. Uh, and these were all like, a be- it was a bed and breakfast kind of place. Okay. So everybody would come. He would just keep telling these stories. She heard these stories over and over again. Uh, and she actually puts that in uh, the front of the book to talk about uh, whether her father was an embellisher or not. And she said, no, he was well-respected in the community. Not, uh, he didn't do any BS. He told things the way they were. Uh, so she actually says that in the beginning. And then you got his own letters between him and Theo. And uh, then you have this other book. Somebody realized that uh, everybody would be dead whoever met Vincent. I think this is 1908. And he went to Belgium and interviewed everybody. And he uh, interviewed the lady who uh, he, she would hear him cry every night. Wow. In his bed, you know. Uh, and they, that's where the story comes, where he was running down and his shoes were untied. And she said, tie your shoes. And he said, uh, you don't get closer to God by tying your shoes. Because he was running down to help all the wounded in the, the coal mines. Oh, the yeah, in the mines. Yeah. So those little stories from people who actually saw him. Wow. That's fantastic. Um, and so during the show, what I, what I really appreciated about it was you didn't talk about... You talked about his art, but you didn't mention his famous works. You didn't really mention much of the success after he died, you talked about the life mm. of the person. Yeah. Um, and so 
why did you decide to focus on the life rather than... Because this is what I have and this is what you have. Uh, anybody could put a price and buy something for $7 million, but it's, it's the story that was right. And when I read the story, his life is amazing. He uh, sacrificed for humanity. Yeah. And uh, I, we all sacrifice certain things at certain times. And um, it's his sacrifice and his love. And uh, that's why... I, I, who cares about, you know, his stuff, like somebody saw my show in Orlando and they, uh, somebody said to me, it almost looks like a workshop and it's not finished. And I said, great. Because <laughs> yeah. when he was painting his crappy paintings that nobody wanted, he was figuring it out. But then once he was gone, they were like, oh, this is good. But why can't we uh, uh, support artists while they're alive? Why? Yeah, you said you said that during the performance and afterwards, you know, support the artists while they're alive and... While they're struggling, while yeah. they're trying to make ends meet, uh, starving themselves and uh, everything. All of that. Uh, why can't we do that? And uh, so it's a good subject as well and it's fun to paint and it's fun to be able to have a platform to uh, talk about mental illness and homelessness and art. Uh, yeah. Self-judgment, uh, family, religion, <laughs> yeah, all these little things that we have in our lives. So that's why I wanted to have something that's universal. It's also the creative process is a wonderful universal thing. Uh, yeah. Um, so you were drawn to the person. You were drawn to his struggle. And we all struggle through similar things, just maybe not on the scale that he had to. Sure. And so what do you think... Between you mm. and the man, what do you think is the most similar thing between you two that you were able to find throughout his writings and his... Well, the similarness uh, uh, in spirit is uh, I've always had this energy. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm, I have a lot of it uh, as a kid and as an artist. And I played college football. I was like defensive player of the year in college. Oh, you know, cool. I had 11... Fumble recoveries one season. I, I, when I focused on that, I did that. Uh, I didn't know I could do art. I drew when I was a kid. Uh, so his spirit is to never give up. I had that. Yeah. And I was always on these wonderful uh, experiences on the football field where we're losing. We would win. We would, with magic. It was magic. And there was always hope. You know, so I have that, even though life is hard. I still have that hope. I know it's going to work out somehow. Uh, now I'm living the dream because I'm traveling and I'm talking to you and I'm surrounded by artists. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing. But the weird part is I was born 79 years to the day he was buried. Wednesday, July 30th, he was buried. I was born on Wednesday, July 30th. Wow. I was born with a hole in my heart, and uh, his gunshot, uh, the bullet was resting next to his chest. So that's just a weird thing, which I didn't like to talk about in the beginning. I yeah, didn't you wanna, mentioned that. I don't want to be a cliche or some guy taking a joke. Yeah. Uh, I want the show to stand on its own. That's fantastic. Um, and so I have a couple more questions, but I was actually wondering... Is it possible to ask Vincent? Mm. I don't know if you... Let me see. Is he over there? Vincent! Yo? Yeah, he wants to talk to you. All right, he's coming over. Okay, cool. I'll get out of the way. All right, so Vincent's getting hello? on stage. Uh, hello? What, do I need headphones? No, you're, you're okay. <laughs> How are you? I am great, please. Uh, thank you. I am painting in the Cincinnati. Uh, the pig. 
is the Cincinnati uh, emblem. Oh yeah, you've you've seen the you have the flying pigs around. Yes, this is a flying pigs. It's almost like you know, your paintings will be worth more when pigs fly. (laughs) And now I am living here and I'm flying pig paintings. Yes. Yeah, and you actually have one for sale that uh, that uh, someone may be able to get, and I I I, it's beautiful. I price it at three million (laughs) dollars American. Yeah. Or uh, that would be about uh, let's say two hundred and twenty euros. Yeah. Yeah, and thousand, so, two hundred twenty thousand euros, or no, two hundred, no, two million, two million, maybe two million, two hundred thousand euros, which is about three million US dollars. Mm. Yeah, and so you, you've been at the Washington uh, Park Gallery. Yeah, wonderful. Holly is amazing. Well, good. Um, and now, um, you're you're back. Is uh-huh. uh, it the one of the questions I have for you is, what do you think about your works actually being on display? Because, because I, as I, as I believe, you, you never, never really had that experience. No, no. My dream was always to have my a little cafe, you know. And uh, it's very interesting right now. This gentleman, his name is Dominique. Uh, he buys a hotel where I die in Auvers, Auvers. Really strange story. In 1985, he is driving through Auvers, and he's working for Dan and Global. And uh, there's a truck coming at him, yeah? He's in the motor vehicle. You know what those are, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And he avoids the truck coming at him, and he crashes into the hotel uh, where I have died. Yes. And uh, he wakes up eight days later from a, uh, a, a coma, and uh, they tell him that they're going to make a pizza place out of the hotel. Oh, where wow. Vincent van Gogh died. So he realizes, uh, says to himself, that it is uh, fate. He buys the hotel. He is in Belgium right now, as we speak, he is trying to uh, procure a Van Gogh, my painting, to put in the Hotel Wavu to complete the dream that I have before I die. Yeah, oh, That's wonderful. Yeah. And so now that you have n- the experience, I, first of all, I saw the gallery, yeah. and it was wonderful. Thank you. Um, what, what kind of emotions come over you when you see people mm-hmm. enjoying the art that's on the wall that you've created? Uh, well, it's uh, difficult because uh, the Walsh Park art is part of this Fringe Festival, so there's very little people coming in to see the art. Yes. Uh, they come in, uh, they don't know what it is. Is it a play? What is this? There's no curtain. You know, yeah. I want to see a curtain. Where's the stage? I don't know where it is. So they don't know what to do. I invite people to come look at the paintings. So people are a little shy. Uh, I might just move the show into the back, into the kitchen. Yeah. And then everybody has to walk in all the way. Nobody walking in. People are shy sometimes. Uh, I ask people to sit down with me at the table. Uh, they are shy. I tell them, you know, when I was alive, nobody would sit with me. Yeah, I was actually able to sit with you at the table during ah, your performance. It was a very memorable performance. Yeah, yeah. and actually, I, I don't know if you remember, but you drew my sister, and my oh, yeah. sister had actually was really touched, and, uh, and we were uh, in the automobile going home, yeah. and uh, she said that was transformative. She she absolutely loved mm. your painting, and um, and it it really it really touched her that you just started to to paint. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so. Yeah. So when you are painting all these people, mm. what, what, what comes on in your mind? I don't know. I work from uh, instinct and let it happen. Uh, the creative process is something we cannot control. If a bird that you love, you cannot squeeze it. You kill it. 
Yeah. Yeah. We have to let it go, right? So you let yourself go in your hands and uh, the mind talks to you when you're, or oh, the glasses are too big, the nose, the shoulders. And you know, it's always going to be there and you have to try to let it go and just swim freely for the, through the creative process and uh, whatever comes out, comes out. Sometimes it's better than others, but if you do a thousand paintings, you'll be a thousand times better. And in the thousand, there will be a couple of gems. Well, that's all. Awesome. That's really good. Um, another question that I had was you stated or you said at the very end of your life story that you were telling us, yeah. you said, appreciate the artists while they're alive. Yeah, support the artists while they're alive. And so being in the strange circumstance of you now being here after you've died. Yeah. Do you think that you would have wanted to be appreciated while you were alive? I or don't know. Were you, you were know you when, you're, when you're working through something, this is your story. I cannot change it. I cannot change my past. Uh, this past brings me to here, and the story is the story. We have to live with life. It's permanent. I tell them I use a permanent marker usually now because life is permanent, and we have to live with our choices. But also, uh, being an artist uh, is putting a price tag on what you are worth as a person. And so this painting here, I want to get $3,000 for it uh, in Cincinnati. Uh, I know there's people who have $3,000. They have many dollars. Uh, and then there's people who don't. You know, mm -hmm. I usually do free portraits, but I'm in Edinburgh yeah. for the festival, and I give away free portraits, and I talk about mental health and all this. But yeah, what are you worth as an artist? And we, as artists, have to say what we're worth. Are we going to get stepped on? Or are we going to uh, speak up for what we're worth? Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So it's a, it's a nice practice to uh, uh, be able to uh, experiment with uh, telling people what we're worth. It's sometimes hard. It is. And so the final question I have, first of all, I want to thank you, Vincent, for speaking with us. You're uh, make sure to say that to Walter as oh, well. Yes. Um, and my final question is, now going through this experience at the gallery, being able to talk with so many people, what do you hope that people learn through, through telling your story? It's just to not look too quickly at people. There's a story behind all of us that we don't understand. And that. have a little compassion. That's the perfect answer. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for yeah. joining me. I You're absolutely welcome. enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you, Vincent, for that wonderful interview. Uh, Walter, you did a very nice job as well. If you want to find out more about Walter, make sure to go to waltermichaeldeforest.com. You can also find Van Gogh Find Yourself on Facebook at Van Gogh Find Yourself, hashtag VGFY. That has been it for this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, have an artful day. <laughs>